welcome to Wesley Union, a bi-weekly podcast from Studio Wesley that highlights the voices of different campus ministers and leaders in the United Methodist Church. Today we'll be hearing from Jess Williams, Executive Director slash Pastor of United Wesley in Miami, Florida. Um, so we are starting a brand new um, sermon series. If you've been seeing anything we post about it, we're calling it 12, or the Bible in 12 words. And so these words are going to be, don't worry, there's not a test, but just so you can hear them. Creation, relation, liberation, formation, confederation, accommodation, deportation, restoration, sensation, salvation, evangelism, and consummation, which is also new creation. And the goal of this, right, is that if you look at this Bible, okay, this is a study Bible, so it's a little bit thicker than maybe some Bibles you've seen, but Bibles are huge books, right? There's a lot of words in here. And I'm sure many of you, maybe if you've ever given a chance or you've heard a sermon or had a youth pastor or a parent tell you you should read your Bible, you've opened it up and you start reading and you very quickly get lost, right? Or you find things you're like, I, what the heck is that? Why are they trying to like throw pigs on altars? What are they doing here? And, and you just find yourself like confused and not understanding what's happening. And the goal of this is, right, it's to give us some signposts, 12 words that talk about the grand narrative that the Bible teaches us, right? Because if you look at this story, right, the story that God has given us, you know, through his spirit, through the people who have put this together, through the, all the different ways that the Bible has been used and put into these books, whether it's 66 or more, depending on, on where you come from, it tells this grand narrative of who God is. It's a story that is deeper, wider, and more full of grace and glory than we can even comprehend. It's a story that only reveals more and more as we dig into it. It's a story that encapsulates all that we see and know. It is the story of God and the story of you and I, the story of the world. So as we go through this, hopefully, if you come you know, to all or most of the sessions, You'll be able, when someone opens up a Bible in a sermon or during a Bible study or even in your own reading, and you'll have a little bit of an idea of like, oh, this is part of the story where God talks about creation. Or this is a little bit about formation and how the people of Israel came together and formed this nation and why that was important to God. Or this is a time where people were in exile, the deportation, right? This is a time where the people of God were suffering. And so maybe some of you feel like you're suffering at some points in life. Maybe this semester gets you really down or you feel like you're struggling or there's injustices all around and, and you need to go to a place where people can commiserate that with you. Because the story of the Bible is actually full of the entire experience of human life. There are people who are suffering. There are people who are joyful. There are people who see injustice and call it out and are struggling through it. And there are people who are being rescued and shown justice and mercy. The Bible has more to offer than often, even myself or Paige as pastors, as people who study this, than we even fully see at times. And so the goal of this is that we can dive in and have these little signposts, these little statements. And today, we're going to begin with the first word, which is creation. And most of you have heard me say this once or twice before, but Genesis is my literal favorite book in the Bible. Um, I study it. I love it to death, which is super weird, even to like my most Christian friends. Um, but you'll see, like, it's just one of my favorite stories. So today, I'm going to pray us in real quick, and then we're going to dive into this a little bit. Um, and I hope that you guys walk away with something that maybe you've never thought of or seen before. So pray with me. Heavenly God, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of who you are. 
I thank you for all the amazing people that you've brought um, to be in this community together at this time. We pray that as we open up your word, God, you meet us here. Let not the things I say just be my own ramblings, but let them truly be things that you have for all of us, including myself, to learn and grow from. Show us who you are and who you're calling us to be and how to live this life to the fullest. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about creation, which actually, of all of the sermons of the 12 weeks that we're going to do, probably covers the smallest section of the Bible, but some of the most deep and rich. It's just the first two chapters of creation, because what's interesting, when most Christians probably don't think of, even people who've gone to church their whole lives, the Bible actually opens up with two separate creation stories. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 tell the story of creation from two different perspectives or in two different ways. And there are some differences in those two stories. And the question we should ask is not, is this an error, is this a problem? We ask, what is it trying to tell us? What do these stories show us about who God is, about what God did in creation, and what God is doing in you and I? So today, we're going to do something really special. So I'm going to call Avery up. Because most of you have heard Genesis 1 before. It's this beautiful, famous opening. It says, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, right? God breathes and creation begins. He says, let there be light. And, and we read this story. But one of the beautiful things about the Bible that we're going to talk about is the Bible is not just an academic book that you can study. It's a book that holds the culture and the life of a people. It's stories that used to be told around fires at night. It's things that used to be dramatized, that used to be said. The Hebrew language is this beautiful language that a lot of the stories that we have written down were passed orally from years to generations to generations. And so when you read and see these stories, they actually have different forms. They have different meanings. And one of those is poem and song. In Genesis 1, when you read it and you see it in Hebrew, it is written exactly as you would imagine a Hebrew poem or song was written. It's written very similar to how some of the Psalms were written. So I invite you to hear the story of Genesis 1, maybe in a little bit different way than you've ever heard it before. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, a wind, the spirit, breath from God swept over the face of the waters. There was light. God saw that it was good. There was evening. There was morning. The first day. God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate water from waters and God called this dome sky. Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together called seas.
trees of every kind. to curate authentic and informed content that connects college-aged young adults on their journeys of spiritual and personal discovery. We seek to build a community rooted in faith that values an open, inclusive, and expansive table where all are welcomed, respected, and loved without reservation or exception. We're currently in the middle of a new blog series called Consider Creation, where different Studio Wesley community members reflect on their own efforts to take part in creation care and consider how we can all live into our call as Christians to care for the earth. Visit www.studiowesley.org slash consider-creation to read these reflections and join us in considering how to best care for all that which God has called very good. But I hope 
that as you listen to that, you understand that this isn't just a paragraph that you read. That this is a story, it's a song, it's a melody. It is something that God and God's people have used to sing and enjoy the presence and the glory of all that God is and does. And the beautiful thing about this is that as we read the Bible, different aspects of the Bible are read and said in different ways. You have narratives that are told like dramatic stories. You have factual statements. You have letters from Paul that are written like letters to loved ones or to family and friends. You have songs and poems. And all of them communicate truth in beautiful and deep ways. And the more that we can engage them, the more we can see the heart of God and who it is. So as we heard and read that song, this song of creation, a couple of important things to realize is that first off, we are really familiar with a little bit of that story. Some of you, if you grew up in church, some of you maybe not, and that's okay. But that story is radically different from all of the creation stories of the different peoples in those ancient times. Right? Compared to the Babylonians, the Egyptians, and all of the different ancient Near East civilizations that were there, most of them believed that the earth was created in this kind of epic battle of the gods, where human beings actually were accidents, and their whole purpose was to try to make sacrifices and keep themselves small so that the gods wouldn't notice them or smite them. A lot of the sacrificial practices of different cultures in ancient times was all about appeasing angry gods who didn't want human beings around, but yet... When you read or when you hear the story of creation from our Bible, from the Christian, the Judaic Bible, you hear a story of a God who wants you around. A story of a God who does things peacefully and orderly, intentionally, with his very breath. And as we talked about these stories right in the very beginning, it is God's breath. God speaks things into existence. He doesn't fight or create things in the midst of hardship or chaos. He speaks it and he sees it and he proclaims that it is good. And we see that as we go through the days, right? You have these six days of creation. I broke my thing. We have these six days of creation. And if you look at these six days, you'll notice that the first three days create space. You have night and day. You have sea and sky. You have land with plants. And days four, five, and six line up perfectly to fill the spaces that they created. Day four, you have the sun and moon and stars to fill the night and the day. Day five, you have fish and birds to fill the sea and the skies. And day six, you have animals and humankind to fill the land and eat and live with the plants. And on the seventh day, God rests. This is radically different from what other people groups believed about creation and about our role in it. You see, after each day, as Avery sang, God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. But on that last day, in that crescendo of our song, you see that God saw everything that God had made. This is important. God doesn't just see human beings. Right? That, that's not right Christian theology. It's not just that God sees us and says it's very good. God sees everything, including us. It's only when we are in relationship with the creation, with one another, with all that God has made, being people who have dominion, which means care of the plants, the animals, the sea, the sky, the land, and even the night and the day, that God says it is very good. 
It's a radically different story that tells us more about who we are and who God is. That God cares about us. That God created you with a purpose. And that you have a purpose to live out. To live in community with one another and to take care of the world and the things that God has trusted you as humankind, the people of God's own image, with. There's a special relationship that God gives us, but that special relationship comes with special responsibility. Which is why caring for one another, caring for the world is such an incredibly important part of the creation story and of our call still today. But yet, this is where most Christian people stop. We read the story of Genesis 1, right? And we're like, okay, Genesis 1, that's the creation. God created the world in six days, right? Which is true. And we read this in Genesis 1. But yet Genesis 2 picks up and it tells us something added. It tells us more of the story. There is another creation narrative in Genesis 2. And right from the very beginning, we can tell that it is written, or at least it was shared and told by different people than who wrote Genesis 1. And I'll tell you this right, right from the beginning. If we read Genesis 1, you hear this as the opening line. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind, the breath of God, swept over the face of the waters. It's poetic. It's beautiful. It's written by someone who cares deeply about theology. It's written, most theologians would say, by priestly people. Genesis 2, starting in the second half of verse 4, says this. In the day that the Lord God had made the heavens and the earth, or in the Lord God had made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet on the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That is one very long, very wrong sentence. It's written by someone who cares a lot more about the earth. Right from the very beginning, you can tell the people who tell this second story in Genesis 2, they're more of the common people, the farmers. Genesis 1 begins with when God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis 2 begins with God created the earth and the heavens. And as we read this story, we see it is a God in Genesis 2 that digs down into the dirt that gets God's hands dirty and brings up dust and breathes life into it. In Genesis 1, you have this cosmic, powerful God that is speaking life into existence. And why would the Bible have these two stories? Are they contradictions? Or are they, just as our Gospels, two different perspectives of the same events? Are they people who care about the earth and the ground, people who are tilling the fields, hearing about a God who created everything and formed them out of the very dirt and dust that they work with each and every day? You see, these two stories of creation are important because God left them both there for us to read and to see. God is not afraid of us asking these questions. God is not afraid of us seeking out these answers because God is bigger than any one narrative that we can tell. That's why the Bible has four gospels to tell the story of Jesus with four different perspectives and it has two creation stories. And actually, if you want to count the end of Job and even parts of Isaiah, there's multiple references to how God created the, the world. But yet, although both stories are different, they have some very important similarities. 
In both stories, God's breath comes out as the main moving force. God's words speak life in Genesis 1, and yet in Genesis 2, we read that it is the breath of God that fills the nostrils of man. Whoever wrote and told these two stories are not the same people, but they are interacting and seeing the same God. The second story may be more focused on earth and may be messier, and the first story may be more cosmic and about the theologies and the depths that the priests cared about, but both talk about the ruach, the breath of God, and its importance to us. So yet we see, as we read Genesis, or Genesis 2 and we see the story, Adam is created first. God breathes nostrils into him. He, he gives him the, the Garden of Eden. God provides everything that Adam could possibly need. Right? That's what Genesis 2 is all about. God creates Adam and he gives him a garden, every possible food and drink, everything that he needs to live. But yet God sees something really important. God says that it is not good for man or human to be alone. So what does God do? In Genesis 2, God creates all of the animals after Adam, right? Reversed from Genesis 1, where the animals were created first and then human beings. In Genesis 2, we see this story where Adam was made, and then God calls all of the animals to him, and he gives Adam the ability to name each and every one that comes, to see if there is a suitable helper for him, right? And none being found, we see the story where God puts Adam into a deep sleep, he pulls out a rib and he makes Eve, woman, right? And this important word, right, to be a perfect helper. And the thing about this is that word helper is most commonly used throughout the Bible to refer to God. God is the helper in the Bible. God is the Holy Spirit that comes as a comforter and as a helper. So it does not mean less than, right, but it means partnered and equal with. It's an important thing to understand. Right? When God creates this, he's creating something that is for good, for equality, and for truth. God is creating Adam and Eve and all of the animals to be in relationship with one another. So therefore, as we read at the end of the story, right, we see this therefore statement at the end of Genesis 2. After he creates Eve and Adam, it says, Therefore a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And this man and wife were both naked and were not ashamed. It's an important thing here. If you're reading your Bible and you see a therefore, you have to understand what's happening. When a therefore pops up in a story like this, what it means is that this story is used to explain something that's already happening in life. Right? You have to imagine Genesis 2 is something that when a kid comes up to their, their parents and says, oh, like, why is my older brother leaving the family? They would tell them this story. And, like, and that's why your, your brother is going to go and live with, this, with his wife now. Right? It's a story that has this cause, this meaning. And so as we read the Bible, we have to keep all of these things intact. Right? This is not just a textbook like you would read for your classes. This is a book that holds culture. It holds stories and relevance. It explains the world that the people saw around them, and it's how they related to the God that they knew. And although in this story, Adam had everything that he needed, he had God's very presence, he had the garden, God said it was not good for man to be alone. And this is why we still need community. Whether that's through your church groups, whether that's through your family, whether that's through significant others, the reality is we need one another because it's not until we live in to our community with each other and with this world that we experience the very goodness 
that God intends for us. So the questions to ponder, who is God and who are we? If this is true, if you were created by a God who had intention and order and care, if you were created by a God who would provide everything for you and yet also gives you one another, a God who loves you and wants you to be able to stand not ashamed, just as Adam and Eve stood before God not ashamed, what does that mean for the rest of the story? If God loves you so much that he would go through all of this creation, breathing life into you and into the things around you, what does it mean about how important you are to God? How important you are to each other? And sometimes that's hard to accept. But the reality of the story of creation is that you are incredibly valuable, incredibly loved, and that you have a purpose and a place everywhere in this creation. So pray with me. And I'll invite the band up because um, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And as, uh, as I pray for us and lead us in, I would just invite you. Um, take the next few minutes. Talk to God. Ponder these questions. Figure it out. What, what does it mean for you that God created the world in this way? What does it mean that you are made in God's very own image? Over on the corner on the table, if you've been here before, you know. But if you haven't, we have prayer cards. So there are three little index cards. Um, you can fill them out. If you have prayers that you want us to put out for people to pray kind of publicly, there's one pile for that. It says on top, if you want just our core leadership team to pray over it, there's a pile for that. Or if you just want myself or Paige to pray for it in, in complete privacy, we won't bring it up even to you um, unless you bring it up to us. There's a pile for that as well. Right? So wherever you're at, whatever you need, turn to God in this moment. Let's pray. Heavenly God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the gift of who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who does things radically different from all of the ways that we may anticipate and all the ways that other cultures have seen. God, you are a God who creates with your very breath. That you made us in your image, that you created us in order and peace with joy. You're a God who is not afraid to get your hands dirty. And you're a God who stands beside us. Lord, help us to live into our calling to be people who care for creation more fully. Help us to see, God, that it is truly when you see all that you have made, when you see us, when you see the ground and the birds and the animals, it is when we are all together that it is truly very good. Help us to follow you more faithfully and more fully. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.